Hi, my name is Ronnie Grayer, and this is the Monthly Safety Podcast for February of 2011. First, a little bit about me. I've been a Greyhound driver now for almost 20 years, and I've been in the driver instructor program for nearly six, and I currently drive out of Syracuse, New York. Uh, This month, I wanted to talk to you about the Smith System, what we also refer to as the five keys for safe driving, something that you may have heard about already at your home location. It's beginning to roll out in the field, and if you've been around Greyhound at all, or any other uh, professional driving job. It's something that you've heard of in the past. Um, Every year, thousands of people die in pointless traffic incidents. And why, we ask? Well, there are many answers to this question. The most important answer is that the precautions were rarely taken to prevent these tragic events. Now, true that some incidents are unavoidable, but of the millions of collisions happening each year, only a small percentage are truly non-preventable, and the precautions that we take do prevent collisions. So if the Smith system could be defined in one word, uh, that word would be precaution. Smith system is a series of interlocking techniques for preventing collisions. They're all precautionary measures. They help drivers to see, think, and act their way through the multitude of driving environments, challenges, and changes that exist wherever drivers travel in whatever types of vehicle they operate. Early detection, awareness, accurate forecasting, perceptive anticipation, and deliberate reaction are the primary features of these techniques. While preventing loss of life and property, the Smith system also prevents financial losses by aiding drivers to reduce insurance claims, fuel consumption, and a substantial amount of vehicle repair, replacement, and maintenance. The techniques are interlocking and work in unison to provide drivers a system for enjoyable, economical, and safe driving. So this information is for you, the experienced driver who has driven hundreds of thousands, if not millions of miles. The information here can help you build on the knowledge you have gained from years of on-road experience. The Smith System's mission is to share with you or remind you of the advanced driving techniques that you have been tested, I'm sorry, that have been tested and proven by many thousands of drivers since 1952. As an experienced driver, you know about the countless variables that can make a collision happen. Behind the variety of unique reasons for every collision are common contributing factors that repeatedly come into play, and most of these factors involve human error. Um, So let's talk about some of the common causes of collisions. The first one, of course, that we think about all the time is inattention. Uh, Many drivers do not pay enough attention to the serious business of driving uh, through the ever-changing traffic world. Uh, One of the things that I wanted to mention also um, is that as of today, February 16th, I'm recording this, uh, New York State has upped the penalties for uh, driving while distracted, particularly when talking on a handheld uh, cell phone. And the penalty now is uh, the fine, I believe, hasn't changed at $100, but the, uh, there will also be two points against your driver's license, and that goes on your MVR. It causes your insurance to go up and all kinds of things. So, you know, we've seen uh, the states keep upping the ante with uh, laws that try to address distracted driving, both talking on the phone and text messaging, and some of them are even addressing things like uh, a portable GPS device and things like that. So... Uh, driver inattention is a big thing. Distractions. There are so many distractions in vehicles today. Uh, another thing that's a common cause of collisions would be too much or too little attention. Some drivers concentrate too much attention far too long on one item while missing others of equal or greater importance. Not enough time. Drivers do not allow themselves adequate time to make decisions and act upon them. And this problem is usually caused by not seeing enough soon enough. Uh, not enough space. Drivers frequently travel in close-knit packs leaving themselves no maneuvering room if they need to steer clear of a sudden problem. They also tailgate both inside and outside of these packs. We see that all the time on the road. 
uh, not allowing for the mistakes of others. Drivers often fail to see or anticipate the mistakes of others in time to avoid conflict. Not enough training. Uh, failure to adjust for conditions. I've talked about that many times in the past. Attitude. A driver's emotional state can adversely affect their actions behind the wheel. An educated driver does not allow emotions to take control of their vehicle. Driver impairment. Obviously, uh, things like alcohol, drugs, and fatigue, or even illness can lead to collisions. And vehicle failure. Uh, this is causes a small percentage of collisions, many of which could be avoided if drivers take the proper measures. You think about a good pre-trip to try and uh, prevent those types of uh, collisions from occurring. So the Smith system um, is, of course, uh, composed of the five keys, uh, which, if you haven't heard before, are aim high in steering, get the big picture, keep your eyes moving, leave yourself an out, and make sure that they see you. And there's an acronym here, which is uh, all good kids like milk. You can remember it that way, although I've heard it said different ways before, but I'll leave that for another podcast uh, for another day. Now, use of the Smith system provides uh, three main benefits. That would be space for the vehicle, visibility for the driver, and time to make decisions. So I'm going to briefly talk about the uh, five keys here without getting into a great detail, because, again, you'll have that training at some point at your home location. But let's talk about uh, key number one, which is aim high in steering. And, of course, we know that um, we look at least 15 seconds ahead. Uh, we always do that on the road. Um, and the problem is you want to try to have at least a 15-second eye lead time, but uh, we're designed as walking creatures. So we tend to look about three to six seconds ahead. The average driver looks about three to six seconds ahead. We need to expand that out uh, and look at least 15 seconds ahead. Another thing you'll notice is that if you look far ahead, if you aim high, uh, you can see low, but that if you look uh, at what's right in front of you, you won't be able to see what's off in the distance. Um, Key number two talks about get the big picture, and what that simply means that we want to uh, have a 360-degree circle of awareness, um, and part of that means that we're going to be checking our mirrors every five to eight seconds, which we've been doing all along, and we've got to make sure that we position ourselves uh, in traffic so that we can get the big picture, so that we can see. Um, you don't want to have uh, large vehicles or other obstacles blocking our vision, so we want to make sure that we do that. Um, and obviously, if you leave a proper following distance, that'll give you uh, the proper space to be able to see. Uh, key number three talks about keep your eyes moving, um, and you want to make sure that you change your point of focus at least uh, every two seconds so that we don't develop a fixed stare, and I'm sure you've heard that term before as well. So keep your eyes moving. will also keep you alert. It'll keep you from falling into a, a daze, possibly daydreaming, or you know your mind kind of wandering off. We don't want to do that. Key number four talks about leave yourself an out. Um, as we mentioned in the beginning, traffic tends to travel in uh, clusters and packs, and we always want to try to avoid that and position ourselves again in traffic so that we have space around us. We always want to have lots of space. That's going to give you that um, visibility, and it's going to give you the time to be able to make decisions. So we need that space, and if you lose it, you have to work to get it back. And, of course, key number five, make sure they see you. Um, talks about, you know, communicating with other vehicles, with pedestrians, uh, bicyclists, all types of hazards, and we communicate in many different ways, including using our horn, our turn signals, our four-way flashers, brake lights, headlights, eye contact, uh, those kinds of things. So, again, uh, this is something that you'll see rolling out in the field, uh, Smith System training. Uh, look, for, look for it, and uh, you'll see it out there. I don't want to get into too much here um, because this is strictly an audio uh, podcast 
and really uh, I would need a visual to do it more effectively. So I'll leave that for right now. I did want to talk about a couple of things that happened over the course of the time since we last spoke. Uh, we did have a driver that uh, struck a low bridge uh, at an airport in a major city in the Northeast. Um, and I believe that it was marked at somewhere between 11 and a half feet and 12 feet tall, although it was marked at less than 12 feet. Now, we know that uh, the company rule says that we shouldn't try to uh, drive under anything that's marked less than 12 feet. Um, and in this case, I believe uh, the bus was 11 foot 8 high. And I, like I said, I'm not sure exactly what the bridge was marked. But our driver was faced in a difficult situation because um, there was a police officer there who uh, told him to go ahead and proceed uh, because there were other buses that were going on through and they were not having a problem. And again, I'm getting this uh, secondhand, but the bottom line is that the driver struck uh, the overpass, which of course is a fixed object, and that's certainly a preventable collision, shouldn't have happened. Um, so you need to be really careful. We don't want to proceed under a bridge unless we're sure we can clear it. And certainly if it's marked at uh, less than 12 feet, we shouldn't try to cross under it. Another incident, uh, I know I've been talking about the winter weather, and I hate to keep beating that up uh, because hopefully we should be getting out of it soon. But uh, we did have another uh, incident that I wanted to relate where a driver was uh, traveling at a speed that was probably too fast for the conditions in the snow. And when he attempted to exit the highway at his exit for his next stop, um, the bus uh, was sliding and he was unable to uh, take the exit ramp. Now, this is something I don't know if everybody's aware of, but if your wheels lock up on any vehicle, uh, you'll have no traction and you won't be able to steer, you'll have no control. So this is the purpose of anti-lock brakes. What they do is they apply the brakes and release and apply several times in a second, much faster than you could ever do with your foot. Um, and in this case, the driver's wheels were locked, the, the drive wheels were locked, and turning the steering wheel has no effect in that case. So our driver uh, found himself sliding uh, off the road onto the shoulder where the bus came to rest, of course, beyond the exit ramp. And then he decided to go ahead and back up, which is never a good idea, uh, on partially on the shoulder and partially in the right-hand lane uh, until he was able to drive forward and get off at the exit ramp. And unbeknownst to him, the, the rear of his bus struck another vehicle and did several thousand dollars in damage. The driver never did uh, perform a walk-around inspection. Of course, backing up on the highway is a dangerous maneuver that we shouldn't do anyway, but uh, apparently the driver didn't know that he struck another vehicle, or so he said, and um, was later informed that he did. So this was a real mess, uh, but the bottom line is you need to reduce your speed uh, when the uh, traction is reduced due to things like weather uh, so that you can maintain control, and uh, we've all seen drivers in different vehicles backing up on the highway before when they missed their exit, and this is just never a good idea, so that's something that you shouldn't do. Also, I wanted to mention that, uh, you know, snow and ice uh, reduce your traction significantly, but you still do have some traction, especially on ice. You still have, you lose up to 95% of your uh, road gripping traction, but you still have about 5%. So it's a good idea to try not to come to a complete stop on ice. If you keep those wheels rolling just a little bit, you'll have just that little bit of traction, just a little bit of control. But if you come to a complete stop, that's when you run the risk of sliding and having no control. So we always try to do that, if at all possible. Uh, I also wanted to mention um, we've got a few more listeners to the podcast, and I'm glad to see that. Uh, and I wanted to say hello to Darren and all the guys up there in Winnipeg. We've got some listeners in the Great White North, and we've also got some listeners uh, in the southern part of the United States as well. So that'll about do it for this month's podcast. Um, if you'd like to send me email, you can send it to Ronnie, R O 
N-N-I-E, 13211 at gmail.com. You can visit my Facebook page. Just search Ronnie Greer on Facebook. That's G-R-E-H-E-R. I look forward to seeing you again in March.